members of the OG army. Get those wallets unfolded. Coming up next on the other ground live stage, prepare for an eargasm by Passive J and Big Dalton. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to yet another edition of The Other Ground Live. I'm Passive J. Uh, that's Big Dalton over there. Say hello, Ryan. Ladies and gentlemen, it is August the 2nd. It is a Sunday, and let me tell you about electric companies. How's it going, Jay? <laughs> it is going okay, sir. Uh, I see the OG armies starting to form up in the chat box. Hey, guys, always glad to see you here. Uh, how did your days off go? We, I think I have a vague idea of it. <laughs> Well, Saturday during the day went friggin' awesome. Gorgeous day. It was only about like 79, 80 degrees. Spent pretty much the entire day out on the beach just letting the dogs roam. And then I come home at about 5.45, you know, giving myself that whopping 15 minutes of prep time before our show. And I walk into the house to it feeling a little warm. I go to flip on a light. There's no light. And I tried a different room. Nothing. So I happened to see one of the neighbors walking by. Ask him, hey, what the fuck's going on? Like, yeah, power's been out for like two and a half hours. I'm like, oh, that that's awesome. <laughs> so I, I sat around here until about, oh, about 645 or so. And then I knew, like, I'm just cutting bait at this point. Uh, headed out to a friend's place, watched uh, the fights from that point forward. We didn't really probably start watching until about 7.30, so I caught the probably the last one or two fights on the, the undercard and then the main card. Came back today, and it was back on. But yeah, apparently it didn't get restored until about, oh, 8.30 or so. Jeez. So yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And this yeah. is the, the same electric company that during a pandemic when the usage for electricity has been pretty much the highest ever because everybody is home. They decided to damn near double the delivery fee and the state had to step in and be like, Hey, what in the blue hell are you doing? So my hmm. electric bill went from like 200 bucks last month to 330 this month. That seems a pretty big jump. Um, that's a that's a large electrical bill, anyways. Uh, do you run a lot of devices, or is just electricity there uh, expensive in the first place, even without the jump? Uh, it's expensive anyway, but I also like so I'm the person that keeps my house at 65 degrees year round. Mm. So during the summer, like a $200 electric bill is not you know that super uncommon. <laughs> but then I'll have during the well, winter yeah, I... when any when everybody has like <clears throat> giant heating bills, mine will only be like 70 bucks. Hmm. How big is your place? Uh, what is the square foot on this thing? I think fifteen or sixteen hundred square feet, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Mm. Uh, yeah. See, I don't have those kind of issues really. Um, now that I've gotten rid of the hot tub, I expect my next uh, electrical bill to be in the hundred to hundred and twenty range. In the winter, when we're not running the air conditioners, are my electrical bills somewhere in the forty or fifty dollar range? I would think. Uh, and gas is pretty cheap too. Um, I during the summer it's barely anything like fifteen twenty dollar bills. In the winter, it'll get up to 70, 80. I think I might have seen a $100 uh, gas bill before, but that's unusual. I, I want to say in like the 70 or $80 range for the most part. 
but it, it is like barely a, a thousand square foot house. And one of the few major improvements I made to it was when I got it, I insulated the shit out of it. Uh, we have a, we have a ridiculous amount of insulation in our attic because uh, the blown stuff that's pretty cheap when you do it yourself. So we we really overdid it. I can't remember well, what let's, the uh, mm-hmm. let's put it this way. So I have the ridiculous bill pulled up. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me how this makes sense. If you were to talk about any other industry, so let's like let's talk about food, right? So you order food and you have it delivered. Like, think of the cost of food and then co- think about how much it costs to be delivered. Then listen to this. So the actual electricity cost for what I had last month was $113.61. The delivery of that electricity was $218.61. Hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, I got it. Well, uh, before we get to that uh, team evil bag, I wanted to know how much extra the hot tub was. There's about an extra hundred dollars a month in, in, uh, electrical. And this was like in the spring, early, late to mid to late spring and summer. So it was going to be way more if we kept it open in the winter. Um, but it, back to your, your point, uh, <coughs> damn, I, that's, I don't think they should term that correctly. I believe their delivery fee is the cost of all the wires and shit that gets the power to you. So I could see the delivery fee being more than the actual uh, electrical fee, depending on how they generate their electricity. Uh, but that still seems really fucking excess excessive. They already yeah, built fucking the fucking double. power lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They already apparently built the power lines. Fi- so. Yeah. Apparently their power lines aren't all they're fucking cracked up to be. If my power is <laughs> out for like five hours yesterday. Well, more than that, you would think. And, uh, I guess you don't know when it came back on exactly. Uh, and you didn't have any storms or anything like that. So it wasn't bad weather. It wasn't a tree down on the lines or anything like that, obviously. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea what in the blue hell was going on that caused that. But yeah, it's just a little ridiculous. And it's also funny how it took them that long. Not but like two days after the state had to step in and be like, hey, looks like you guys are price gouging. You should probably stop doing that. (laughs) Uh, Team Evil Bad Guy wanted to know what the delivery charge uh, was before they raised it. Uh, delivery from the previous month, uh, the supply, it, I just pulled it up. So current month, it was what, like $116 for the actual electricity and then like 216 or 218 for the delivery prior month supply, uh, was just over $110. It was $110.92 and the delivery was just under 150. It was 149.97. Mm, yeah, so a, a a good chunk less. Yeah, so the delivery went up literally like fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems a little shysterish. I understand the prices of things are going to go up. Uh, DTE or consumers energy. I can't remember if it was my gas or my, uh or electrical. I think it was electrical. Was actually authorized by the state to increase their rates, but they had to go through a whole bunch of shit to do it, and I think it went up three percent. And people are already saying, oh, that's, that's way too much. Well, shit, dude, nothing's the price it was before. Things go up. That's the nature of shit. Used to be able to buy a car for $3,000 brand new. Uh, now, just because they're charging 30, 30 to $80,000 for your average car, it doesn't mean it's price gouging. It's the price of things, how things are. But you, there's a difference between a slight increase uh, to adjust the rates to how it should be and price gouging, which is exactly what it sounds like you got going on over there. Well, yeah. So like, think about it. So think about my industry, right? So like insurance, 
you probably noticed, depending on your carrier, like now and then you're going to see your rates come up. Like when you hit your renewal, like say it's going to be you know an extra three or five percent or whatever it may be. Or obviously, if you had like claims and shit like that, it can go kind of through the roof. But to let you know, like we have to go to every state out there and get those rates approved. So you have to prove that you're increasing it because like literally you're seeing that type of increase in the loss side of the equation. Like imagine if just anyone could take like a, a utility, something that you are essentially forced to have and could just jack it by 50% in one month. Like that's just fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously the, your state was right to step into that sort of thing. Uh, and, it makes me wonder how they thought they were going to get away with it in the first place because it's all regulated, you know, for that exact reason. So people don't all of a sudden have bills that they can't afford. Um, well, and the it, optics it, of it, like doing this shit right now when everybody's extra unemployment benefit just vanished, when evictions are starting again, when the GDP dropped off a freaking cliff, be like, hey, I've got an idea. <laughs> let's try to sneak in a 50% increase on our side of the equation. Let's just see if it goes through. Right. Now, uh, in the entire utility business thing, Detroit has a big problem with their water utilities. Uh, not, not anything with the quality or anything like that, just collecting money for it. Um, there's tons and tons and tons of delinquent houses uh, where they haven't paid their bill in months or years even. And some of them have racked up like gigantic uh, water bills, like, owing three or $5,000 uh, for their water bill because they, they just never fucking paid it. And when the problem being when the water company decided to start like turning sh people's water off, uh, there's all these protests and all these organizations came out and said, oh, you can't t turn people's water off. Water is a right. You know, well, to me, that's bullshit, dude. <laughs> if you can't afford to pay your water bill, you can go to several different organizations and charities that will help you out. Once, if we, if you've reached a point where you owe three or five thousand dollars on your water bill, that's just fucking ridiculous. They should be able to shut off your water at that point. Well, yeah, because it's so the water itself may be a right, but you don't have a right for a company to get it to you. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, and, there, and it's a big deal. There's still, and it's still a process right now. They, there's still all kinds of like accounts that they haven't collected on because, you know, they, the protests and, you know, and organizations went up against them. So they said, okay, we'll give them another six months to get their shit right. And we'll offer payment programs and things like that. And no one signed up for the payment programs or, you know, uh, a couple of them, they did manage to get some of them to sign up for like, oh, there was organizations paying people's water bills and shit like that. Uh, and a year later, you know, once all the fuss went away, all these people still owe ex exorbitant amounts on their water bill. And while I feel bad for anybody who has trouble paying their bills, I might be one of those people. Uh, you have to take care of your shit. You can't just ignore it like that. And once you start ignoring like that, you're basically saying you don't give a shit and you don't feel like you have to pay your bills. Right. You can't just ignore an issue and hope it goes away. Like there are a ton of places out there to help people that are in a rough spot. Like, yeah, you may have to do a little bit of legwork and try to, you know, sign up for those programs or go to places or provide whatever proof or whatever. But like, if you're in that position, like, you need to kind of, you know, get, get on your grind and look for what's out there that might be available. Like, just sitting there and ignoring a problem is how something gets worse. Yeah. <clears throat> like, if I have a big-ass lump on my neck, I just sit here and be like, ah, yeah, that's going to go away. 
two months <laughs> later, it's twice the size, and I have a fucking football sticking out of the side of my head, and I'm just like, yeah, that's going to go away. I'm just going to end up dead at some point. Right, right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And it's not just water bills. People are really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, cavalier about their attitude for paying uh, for things in general. Uh, cable bills being one of the ones I've noticed the most. I'm sure you've, you've probably actually been in this position, or maybe not, since you I'm not sure what kind of shitholes you've lived in, <laughs> as opposed to me. So you might never, might never ever experience this. There's been cases where I'd rent a place out and you couldn't get cable in until you sent several different forms of documentation proving you're not the previous tenant because, you know, the previous tenant left a ridiculous cable bill without paying it. That's odd. I've never had to do that, but I mean, it makes sense, right? Yep. It's, uh, you know, you've probably never lived in like dubious neighborhoods before. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I've heard plenty of stories about your past, but you never know. You, uh, I, it didn't sound like you were like live that kind of lifestyle for the most part. And I've lived in several like shitholes and in, in shithole cities. And so it wasn't all that surprising that some of the previous tenants didn't pay their fucking bills. Well, for a while there when I was fighting and stuff like that, like I lived in some not super awesome places, but we always got a group of us together. So like, I'd, pr I'd say probably like one of the worst place I lived, we, uh, uh, we were in Des Moines in, in Iowa, kind of near one of the, the universities there. And we rented out what used to be like almost like a frat house. So it was five of us, but it was this interesting house that was a five bed, five bath. So they basically like renovated it to have a bathroom attached to each. Like it was almost like a bunch of different little apartments. Right, right. But not like separate entrances or anything like that. That was probably about the sketchiest I've ever done. But yeah, I've never had that thing where I've had to, you know, jump through a bunch of hoops to get cable or, or something else. Yeah. And, and that's happened to me a couple of times. And it, it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that was the least of my concerns living where I lived in several spots. Um, <laughs> but that's a story for a different day. What do you got yeah, to talk about? Yeah, hypodermic needles. Yeah. Generally, they're a bigger concern than, uh, you know, making sure you can get HBO. Right, right, right. You know, uh, making hoping that your neighbors are cool and not going to break into your house or apartment at one t at one point and steal all your shit. Um, luckily, I never owned a nice car. I, that's the first time I've ever said that phrase. Luckily, I've never owned a nice nice car before I started working at the country club. Um, I always bought little shit boxes because that's all I can afford. Matter of fact, before I started working at the country club, which was in two thousand five, I had never spent more than a thousand dollars on a car. Um, <laughs> now, uh, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, Detroit is the place to buy cheap cars. You, you know, you can buy, there's a huge used car market, much bigger than most cities, you know, Detroit being the motor city. So when I say I, I've never spent more than a thousand dollars on a car before I started working at the country club, uh, that's a little bit better than in some areas, but obviously I never owned anything nice. Uh, most of my cars were pieces of shit. I didn't, a lot of them I left unlocked cause I didn't keep anything in the car and I just didn't want them to break a window. They weren't going to steal the car. I mean, even the, even the, the worst, uh, even the worst off car thief in the world is going to look at my shit and go pass because <laughs> you don't want the car you're stealing to break down a mile down the road. That's just kind of a bad, a bad form. Uh, so I wasn't worried about anyone stealing any of my cars. I did worry about them breaking my windows to see if there, I had any shit in my car. So I'd leave the car unlocked most of the time. Uh, sh uh, some of them were so shitty. I'm pretty sure I could have left it running with the keys in it overnight. And it'd still be there. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not super different than that. Like I have never, so I have never gotten a loan on a vehicle. I've never bought anything that I couldn't just buy outright. Mm. 
So, like, my first car was, like, this 94 Ford Taurus, which I kept for quite a while, basically, until the thing just, like, just basically got to the point where it was going to cost more of a fix than, than it was worth. So I just ended up giving somebody that car. Um, went from that to... I had a Mustang for a while. I actually bought one super cheap, fixed it up a little bit, and then just flipped it. Then had a Chrysler 300 that I had for quite a while. Um, at the same time, that's when I bought the truck that I got hit in. Then I also then got rid of the Chrysler 300 for the Fusion I have now. Uh, yeah, I've never had anything like super nice, but I've also never gotten to the point where I wanted to go have a loan on a vehicle. So the most I've spent is, you know, the 10 grand I bought that Fusion for. Right, right, right. I, I could see that. And the only reason I have nice cars now, well, relatively speaking, is because I, I am willing to have a car payment or, or a lease payment on it. Uh, my car history is very long, and I'm probably not even going to remember most of them. But my very first car was a 1980 uh, Toyota uh, Tercel, I think it was. Uh, it was yellow with gray primer spots. It looked like a moldy lemon. <laughs> uh, not a cool car, but it was a good car for my first car because I hit lots of shit with it. Not at high speeds, just the lowest, you know, but it was a good car to be bumping into things because I didn't give a shit about it. Uh, the the rear wheel fell off of it while I was driving 35 uh about 25 miles an hour down the side street, smoking pot with my friends. Um, uh, and my stepdad actually managed to repair it. But while I watched him bang on the wheel bearing with a sledgehammer and watched the entire subaxle swinging back and forth, I was like, I don't think I want to drive that car anymore. So I traded it to a friend of mine for a 1972 T-Bird. And that was a great car. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't a great car. Get, don't get me wrong. It was $800. My, my Tercel was $400. Um, but for me, it was a great car. It had a gigantic engine in it, 460 cubic inches, and like a back seat I could sleep in, which ended up being good because I did ended up sleeping in that back seat for about a year. <laughs> that was right around when I got kicked out of my house. Uh, and yeah, even after all the car, cars after that, about the same. I had a, a 1984 uh, Festiva, I think was the next one. That car was the cheapest car ever fucking made. Oh my God. I, you're not going to win a fight with me on this one. This car was so cheap, it didn't have a radio. It didn't have a spot for a radio. That model came without a radio. It didn't have a glove compartment. It had a, like an empty crevice where the glove compartment would have been if you would have paid the extra dollar fifty. Uh, but the for me, the most cheap ass thing about that car is uh, one of the most basic thing you can have is your is your windshield wiper uh, uh, cleaner. You know, where you 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 hit the little uh, button on the stick on your windshield wipers and it squirts up fluid and the windshield wiper, uh, you know, goes a couple times and it cleans your window. Uh, this didn't have that. It had a little rubber pump button on the floor that you manually stomped on and it would shoot windshield wiper fluid up. It had manual windshield wiper fluid, sir. <laughs> so you basically had the, the car from the Flintstones. <laughs> basically it was a 19, uh, it was a 1980, uh, for not a, uh, festiva, a festival. It could, um, now, uh, after that, I had several other shitty cars as well. Uh, but, but actually, after that one was one of the few cool cars I had. I had a 1978 uh, Toyota uh, Celica GT, which looked like a Mustang Mach 1 that they had shrunk down to like three-quarter size. Uh, then that was a great car. It's actually a collectible car if I would have had it now. But even when I had it, it was a piece of shit. It looked, uh, it looked like uh, something out of a Mad Max movie. It was a uh, really... Uh, faded blue with a couple dents here and there. It's it was a cool ass car, but it wasn't. I think I paid two hundred seventy dollars for it. 
Uh, so, and there's yeah, all kinds of fucking bullshit cars after that. I won't go, I just literally like another 10 or 15 cars. So I won't uh, bore you guys with my entire car history. Uh, Dallas, that's what we're driving now. I drive a 2019 Ford Fiesta, uh, Fiesta ST, uh, which is a cool ass little car. Uh, big Dalton over there will disagree with me, but he's never driven one. So he doesn't know how awesome it is. Uh, from the, from the, it weighs like 2,700 pounds from the, uh, stock. It has 200 horsepower and about 200 foot pounds of torque. Uh, I've given it a tune, so it has a little more horsepower, and but almost 50 more foot-pounds of torque. It's a little badass car. Yeah, so I have a 2017 Ford Fusion. It is the Fusion Energy, so it's the like hybrid electric that you can plug in and get like 20, 30 miles out of on electric before it kicks over to being a hybrid. Uh, really just bought it for my commute. Until, uh, obviously, the truck got totaled. So we'll see if I, I buy something else to go with it. You should buy a fun car. Uh, you know, uh, you said you're not huge into cars, but you've had a Mustang before. So uh, obviously, you're at least semi-interested in sporty cars. Or is that just a yeah. car that came to you? Sometimes people get stuff without really intending to get it. <laughs> I just got a, a ridiculously good deal on it. Uh, actually, another car that, that if I think back that I... I made a insane flip on i had a mid 90s uh firebird that i got for 250 bucks mm. uh because there was a problem the guy thought there was a problem with the starter what actually happened is this guy got this car used and there used to be a uh car alarm slash disablement mm. uh, system in it and he never got like the uh the remote or anything for that and it seems like wherever he bought that car tried to kind of disable it electrically and what it was causing is for some reason just like based on the timing about one out of three times that you would start try to start the car you couldn't get it started oh. so i went online i learned about wiring of uh you know of a firebird so i just basically took out the entire security system thing and just rewired it back to, you know, factory spec. That thing ran like it ran perfect. Once you did that, that's so funny, I bought you, it, you know, for like 200 and some bucks, I sold it for like, I think five or six grand. That's funny. You mentioned that. Cause I had a friend that did something similar. Uh, my room, ex roommate Ulysses, uh, who I've talked to you guys about before being very mechanically inclined. He went to a used car lot and found a 1972 T-Bird. This was a badass looking fucking car. Uh, was in good shape too, uh, but it was having engine problems. They couldn't figure out, you know, that they couldn't figure out. Uh, so they were willing to sell it for like two or three grand. And, uh, <clears throat> I have no clue why they weren't able to figure it out. Cause he opened the hood and went, yeah, I'll buy that. Cause he had seen that the fucking spark plug wires or like uh, on the distributor cap were set up wrong or something like in the wrong order, which is why it was misfiring and it wouldn't run worth a shit. So as soon as he opened up the hood, I might have that not right because I'm not mechanically inclined. So I might be mistelling the story, but he opened the hood went, yeah, I can fix that in like five minutes and then bought the car. <laughs> so, you know, um, being able to work on shit can be in your favor uh, sometimes as far as like finding deals and stuff. You basically need to find someone that doesn't know what they have, which is how that was in that case. Yeah, it's pretty much the way it was in mine too. I could just, I, I didn't know much about cars, but like the way he was explaining it, like, Worst comes to worst, like I would probably start out by replacing the uh, the battery, and if that mm -hmm. didn't work, like a new starter. Either way, like I was still going to make money on the thing. 
Right, right. But then when I looked and like you could tell that they had removed, you know, part of the paneling um, where you could kind of get at the electrical, like there was still the box in there from the security system. And it was like, well, shit, I bet if I take that out, things are going to work better. <laughs> now, um, it was this one was also a shit box because it had a shitload of miles. But one of my favorite cars from back in the day, it was I had a 1988 Jeep Comanche. Uh, which was not did did not look like any of the other Jeeps. If you're not familiar with what a Comanche is, it was their pickup truck. Uh, this Jeep Gladiator thing that they're doing right now was not the first time Jeep made a pickup truck. Uh, they made the Jeep Comanche for a while, and it would look like a regular pickup truck. It looked like a really badass Ford Ranger kinda, as far as how the size and things like that goes. Uh, and I love that fucking thing. It was a champ. Uh, I got it with like I want to say 170 thousand miles on it. I put. 50 or 60 or a thousand. Yeah, I think about 60. I got it up to about 250, 260,000 miles and sold it to a friend of mine named Darren uh, who drove it around for a while and then moved back down south with it because that's where he was originally from. And as I, far as I know, he's still driving that thing around for a couple of coon dogs in the back of it. Uh, I, I knew before he left, he put another 50,000 miles on it. So this car was well into 300,000 miles. And as long, as long as you maintained it, it ran like a fucking champ. Uh, the body was starting to rot, rot away, you know, because uh, back then they didn't make cars very rust proof. Uh, but mechanically speaking, that thing was fucking awesome. I, in, so, in certain ways, I, I kind of regret getting rid of it. I, I wasn't mechanically inclined enough to take care of it myself because you did have to do shit like oil, like grease, that's whatever, this, that, and the other. This was my stepdad's car originally, uh, and I bought it off of him. And he and he put like 180,000 miles on it, almost 200,000 before he sold it to me. Uh, and he was a guy that took care of his ship for him and my mom, mom's car. He had like a notebook where he wrote down every single time he changed the oil, every single time he changed this, every single time he did that, every time he every time he greased the U joints. I don't know what the fuck it was, something that you wanted to do with four wheel drive cars. We'd get underneath there for a grease gun and, and there's supposedly like little uh, injection ports where you put it in and shit like that. He was very mechanically up on keeping his shit nice uh so when i got it i had knew exactly what had been, had been done to it the entire time and mechanically speaking it was still fucking great well that's that's the thing as long as you maintain a lot of these cars outside of the ones that end up you know having actual like true manufacturer problems like a lot of these things are built to run damn near forever like i heard a story about a, a lexus that hit the 1 million mile mark. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Obviously they, st- obviously they stayed on top of like all the maintenance. I think they may have like rebuilt the engine at some point, but regardless, you get a million miles out of that thing. Like all of the upkeep is going to more than pay for itself. Right. And you hear about that occasionally, like uh, some guy has, a, I want to say a sixties uh, sob that he, that he has like a million miles on it. And, uh, or it might not be a million miles because I believe the uh, thing that was a big deal about the story when I saw it was he'd never replaced anything. All he'd done is oil changes and maintenance. He'd never had to replace a part yet. Um, <clears throat> so I, it was a, a sob. And I was, so in that case, I want to think like 300,000 miles or 500,000 miles without replacing a part. Uh, and that's pretty fucking impressive. Uh, they don't make these new cars quite like that, I don't think, anymore. Well, no, everything's meant to be fucking just replaceable nowadays everything has a planned date that it's just going to fall to pieces <laughs> yeah that's very true team evil bad guy said toyota's toyota's run forever um i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the show uh top was it top gear yeah top gear out of britain 
And uh, they did a thing about uh, Toyota Hilux, I think it was called, where they bought one of a lot of miles and beat the piss out of it. I mean, they did all kinds of horrible things to it. Uh, and then they would see if a mechanic could get it back started again without like using any parts or anything like that. They did. They one of the things they ran it into a whole bunch of shit. They left it on the beach and let the tide take it out to sea and then got it back. And a mechanic was still able to get it started. And they spent the entire show trying to kill this uh, Toyota and they couldn't do it. They dropped it off of a fucking building like they put it on top of a building that was going to be uh, demolished. Uh, and, you know, all in the, in the uh, uh, so the charges go off and the, the building uh, implodes on itself. And when they when it was all said and done, they go over to the rubble, uncover the Toyota and drive it the fuck away. Sounds like the old Nokia phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it used to be you, your phone would not explode into a million pieces as soon as you dropped it on the floor. It was actually pretty tough. Yeah, you could bludgeon someone to death with a Nokia phone and then call 911 from it. <laughs> yeah. Is that the ones that had... Were, were, no, that was the Nextel, the ones that had the CB system as part of their service. Remember those? Yeah, yeah, the whole... Like, really, why? I never understood I never the point got of that. that entire thing. It's like... Why do you need to have a walkie-talkie on your phone? You have the better shit. It's called a phone. Right, right. I think it was because the walkie-talkie function did not use minutes. And back then, that was a big deal because a few younger folk, we used to have to pay for minutes. You didn't get unlimited minutes and texts and things like that. You get a certain amount of it, and then after that, you paid for that shit. So I'm guessing that's the only reason that why anyone would use that shit. I had a couple friends that all had it because they worked for the same landscaping company. I saw you. They were they were great for businesses. So um, back when I used to manage cell phone stores, I managed a Sprint store uh, basically at the time that they bought Nextel. So they got all of the all of those phones in, and yeah, it was super easy to sell that to like small businesses, like a lot of your, like you said, landscaping, contracting, like that sort of thing, because it was perfect for what they did. But for like a normal person. You have a phone. You don't need a goddamn walkie-talkie. <laughs> and eventually that went away, obviously. Uh, so many things. Uh, with phone, it's amazing how phones have uh, developed in the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, back back in my day, you didn't have a cell phone unless you worked a business gave you one because that shit was too expensive for a person to have. Yeah, it's well, it's one of those things. It's just if when when you get to the point where it just you need them, like it just becomes different. Same thing with like computers. Computers used to be two grand. Laptops used to be two, three thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And you can go get a cheap laptop that's gonna work just fine for three hundred bucks. You can build a PC that is actually halfway decent for five, six hundred bucks. Oh yeah, yeah. When I built this one isn't even built, uh uh, I, I bought it from a store uh, a year a year ago, about a year and a half, and it was a thousand dollars. And it is fucking amazing. I was gonna build my own, but I, I saw the spe- the special on this, looked up the parts, and the parts were more than a thousand dollars. So I'm like, well, okay, I'll go ahead and buy a pre-made one. And it's an amazing computer. It's it's a gaming computer. It has uh, ridiculously high end stats, like a bazillion, you know, like sixteen gig of RAM, just ridiculous stats. And it's it's something that if I would have built it, actually, oh, I couldn't have built it. They, they, these kind of parts weren't even available back when I built computers. But the equivalent of this would have cost me cost me two or three thousand dollars to build it. You couldn't even buy something this nice from uh, from a computer store. They didn't even bother to try to sell it. 
Yeah, 16 gig of RAM. That sounds like uh, some rookie numbers there. <laughs> yeah, remember, it is a pre-made one. I might have my stuff wrong. I'd have to look up. Uh, I don't even know what you need to type in to fucking find your Windows, your stats anymore. They've changed so much uh, on this uh, on Windows over the years. It used to be I'd just go to uh, Taskmaster and look at the system stats. I'm not even sure if that shit's there anymore. <laughs> it's, yeah, but I'm, it's, it, I'm running a paltry 96. 96 gig? Yeah, for no real reason. Be, I would say that might be a little overkill. Uh, let's see. Well, no. So what I did is I bought the thing, and it came with uh, two 16 gig slots. So I decided I was going to go to 64, so I bought two 32s. And well, there are four ports there. Like, why get rid of the stuff that's already there? Just added the two thirty twos. Right, right. Yeah, and I actually only do have sixteen gig of RAM, which is a ridiculous amount, anyways. You don't really need much more than that, and it's upgradable. Uh, it's an AMD Ryzen seven two seventy two twenty seven hundred X eight core processor at the thirty seven hundred megahertz. So it's which uh, is a decent processor, uh, and the I guess the um, Video card on it's really good too. Although I'm not seeing where that here under this stuff. Do 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 do. All right, enough of your do to do doing. Sorry, I don't even know how to find that shit. <laughs> Either way, we are 33 minutes in. Do you want to actually start a normal show here? Yeah, sure. Why not? What do you got today, sir? Did you hear that Wilford Brimley died? Oh, from diabetes, I assume. It sounds actually like he had a quite a few. Quite a few health things going on. Obviously, he was on dialysis, and they said that he had several other medical ailments. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure at some point, you know, the the diabetes took him down. Yeah, uh, that's he. He was such. Um, he was a spokesman for the National Diabetes Foundation, and in something else completely different. I can't remember what the second one was. Uh, he, I. I've never, I've never seen a lot of his movies. Uh, I saw him in Cocoon when I was a kid, but mostly I just remember from the diabetes commercials. Yeah, I only remember him because of the way that he sa- said diabetes. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, I play uh, Magic the Gathering with some friends of mine online, and there's uh, a card that looks just like him, the uh, General so-and-so, everyone calls him General Diabetes. <laughs> I'll see Wilford Brimley. I wonder. Uh, I wonder when they do his oh, headstone. Yeah. If just under his name in nice fancy lettering, it'll be Diabetum. Diabetum. Di- uh, the other thing that he was a spokesman for were Quaker Oats. So, um, very a very different thing than the diabetes thing. Uh, I assume that one was more for money as opposed to trying to help people out. Well, and the fact he had diabetes, so like yeah. maybe he was, you know. Yeah, do you ever notice that? Things. You ever notice that? Lots of celebrities, uh, you'll you'll hear a celebrity trying to support this thing or support that thing, and which you, which is awesome. But when you look into it, it's always because that thing had personally affected their life. It's like, oh, we want to fight breast cancer, and you'll find out like their sister or their mom had breast cancer. Oh, we want to fight diabetes. It's because they have diabetes. Oh, or this cancer sucks. It's because their son had that cancer. And obviously, that's not a bad thing. But it's, I'd I'd love to see celebrities that, are, that pitch into causes that don't have anything to do with them, just because they think it's a good cause. Well, I guess I should announce that I am uh, making a campaign against lupus. <laughs> Mainly because on House, it was never lupus. 
is never so lupus. So let's let's you know bring some attention to when it actually is. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that reminds me of a joke by Mitch Hedberg. He goes, "Alcoholism is is a disease, but it's the only disease you can get yelled at for having." <laughs> Damn it, Otto, you're an alcoholic. Damn it, Otto, you have lupus. <laughs> See, one of those doesn't sound right. No? Fair enough. You, yeah, you don't you ever, quite have the uh, the delivery. So no, it, yeah. yeah, Mitch is a hard one to to uh, to uh, emulate, uh, anyways, because he, he just has such an odd style. Uh, he's my favorite fucking comic though. Till this to this day, even though he died, like God, at this point, it's got to be like twelve years ago or something like that. Uh, he's still my favorite comic. He, he just, his sense of humor was just right up my alley. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because you are a little a little odd as well. So, <laughs> shit. All right, what else you got today, sir? So China still sucks. Oh, tell me more. Uh, did you hear that there is uh, an active arrest warrant for a U.S. citizen that's actually been here for twenty five years under the national security law that we talked about a few weeks ago? basically said anybody that criticizes the Chinese government can be charged and of course the the sentence for it is obviously up to life in prison oh my that doesn't sound good at all so he's so wait a minute they're they're charging someone that lives here and has lived here for 25 years with this crime yeah yeah Samuel oh. Chu uh, managing director for a DC based Hong Kong democracy council it's an advocacy group Right. But apparently he woke up and he was uh, notified from people that he's a wanted fugitive now, even though he's, you know, been an American citizen for over 25 years. Mm. Well, I guess because that's gonna... he spoke up for Hong Kong. Oh, I guess it's going to cut down on his travel plans a little bit, huh? Uh, obviously, it's, this is a non-issue for him. He'd have to be insane to ever go to China. Uh, I wonder this, what kind of China relationships does China have with other countries? Obviously not so much of America, but do they have extradition policies with any other countries? I wonder like, is I'm this sure guy, they do like there are countries that they have relatively decent, you know, relationships with, you know, mainly Russia, but like other things you just have to worry about if you're that guy, like you can't be around anywhere that has like any sort of Chinese embassy or consulate. Because what if they just snatch you up and then all of a sudden they're on, you know, sovereign ground? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I thought was thinking mostly about him traveling to the wrong country and, then you know, the, their government uh, getting a hold of them and sending them to China because they have some sort of agreement. I didn't even think about like blatantly illegal shit, like kidnapping them and bringing them back to a Chinese embassy. Like the Saudis did with uh, that journalist guy, Khashoggi, or whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah. Boy, that was fucking blatant as fuck, dude. It's like it's, they knew that there was fucking surveillance on their embassy, and they still had no problem with carrying a guy in and carrying various parts of a guy out, if I remember the story correctly. Yep, carried him right in, dismembered him, carried out all the pieces. No one obviously heard from him again after he was seen being shuffled into that embassy. And hey, you know, the world now, hey, just move on, right? Yeah, and that's what happens. 
You know, um, messing with big governments, especially if it's not the United States, because uh, they, generally speaking, you know, with the amount of media attention, don't want to do shit like that, at least not blatantly. I'm sure our government does all kinds of shady shit. But you get into other countries where they don't care if you, if the rest of the world knows that they're doing shady shit. And so you're in grave danger in some of these countries. I don't know. I will say it right here on our internationally famous podcast China government is asshole. <laughs> um, did you see, oh, to add a completely different top, topic, but involving uh, Chinese. I, did, we, did I tell you about that video I saw the other day uh, where a guy um, uh, was making fun of uh, a chick on the BBC, her, her instructions for how to make uh, egg fried rice? No, I don't think we ever talked about that one, but I do know the video you were talking about. Yeah, I saw yeah, some that, other thing where like the two were hanging out after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, because uh, he calls himself Uncle Bruce and he that's not his name. He doesn't have that accent. He talks like a normal person, which is which makes me wonder, is it racist to make fun of your own race? Uh, Well, I mean, same, not really in the fact that, like, we have that same thing of people playing characters like that. We've talked yeah. about Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. Yeah. He, he talks Wait. like you or I do until a fan is near. And then it's get her done. Yeah, which is hilarious because basically he's mocking his entire fan base. Absolutely. He, he And that's the funny thing, right? Like they are drawn to him because of this character and he is literally doing that character mocking their real life. Right, right. And and this Uncle Bruce thing is not quite as bad. He just exaggerated exaggerates an accent he doesn't have, obviously, because he speaks. He's, from what I understand, uh, um, he's man, uh, not Mandarin. It's a, he's a he's a particular uh, type from uh, of Asian, but he was born and raised in the UK, so he's basically he's British. From what I understand. Yeah, he's an Oriental. He's a rug. Um, but he's born in Britain, so he, he he has either no accent or a very very slight one. And he certainly doesn't sound like the, his Uncle Bruce character. And while I was watching it, I'm like, you know, this is funny as fuck. Am I racist for thinking this is funny as fuck? Because of, you know, the obvious accent and, you know, and the broken language things, uh, which is, to me, made the video even fucking funnier. And I sat back and thought about it for a while. I was like, does that make me racist? Because I think that's funny. Well, if you had to ask the question, that means you probably are. Huh. Yeah, I guess so. Well, shit, dude. It, that makes me feel bad. I don't want to be racist. Uh, I, I was raised wrong, apparently. <laughs> uh, actually, that's that's funny that I say that because that's the, one of the main reasons I'm not racist because my stepdad was racist as fuck against pretty much every race, and I couldn't stand that guy. So growing up, anything that he was doing, I thought would probably be a good idea to do the exact opposite. So I'm, you know, I was never been racist because I fucking hated a racist. Okay. It's interesting well, I mean, logic. It, I mean, you're, yeah, you're, you're I where I'm coming from that. You, you, he was such a fucking horrible person in, in every regard that the fact that he was racist against these different races just made me think that that must be a horrible fucking thing to do because he was a horrible person. Um, so I, uh, I definitely, you know, never, I grew up not trying to be the exact opposite of him and tried to be accepting of other races because he so wasn't. Well, yeah, it's, I think that's kind of a human thing of like, if you see and you're around like a certain type of behavior where you think this person is an absolute douchebag, 
you then just figure whatever else they're doing is probably a douchebag thing to do, so you just avoid it. Yep. I can see where it makes sense. Yep, yep, yep. All right, I see uh, our favorite person, uh, K-Barb, is uh, in the chat box. Why don't we have him call in, and we'll finish up the night talking about the fights. We can absolutely do that. Come on, Kev, give us a call. Uh, we'll get started without you. Oh, here we go. See, I like a man who's paying attention to the uh, show. <laughs> What's going on, Kevin? How you doing today? How's it going, guys? I'm doing good. How are you? I am excellent. I'm glad to be off of work and chatting with you guys. Oh, man, I'm happy to see you guys on here. I just uh, it popped in my mind that you guys would be on at 6. So I'm like, oh, shit, let me check it out. See if you're on. All right. Well, let's talk about some fights. Dalton, you want to start us off? Um, actually, go ahead, Jay. I'm actually trying to find the results because I don't remember all that much. All righty. Um, do, do, do. Oh, sorry. Doing the do, do, do's again. <laughs> uh, let's see. I can, I can probably find it just by going to our, uh, so I'll throw in some of my thoughts. I, I actually didn't see go. any of them. I just caught the last, um, I caught the last fight Brunson versus Shabazian. And, uh, it's funny cause I, I popped in right when it was, uh, at the end of the first round, and I noticed Edmund started getting tired. So I was like, just like I said in the, the preview, uh, the picks, I'm like, if it goes past the first round, Edmund's going to be tired and Brunson's going to take over. So it was like kind of, it was kind of ironic that I popped in and it was right after the first round and he was already tired. So, and another thing I thought was funny is uh, I said Bobby Green, I said he's on a mission. And I said, um, I said he's got kids to feed, which I really meant that because. You know, he brings that up a lot that he has kids to feed. And when he won, he said, I just pay, he just, he's like, I just fed my family. And then in his post, and, and then in his <laughs> post fight interview, he was like, this goes to my kids. If you, if you guys ever see this and he said some stuff, but that, I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, I picked against him, uh, on the fight picks. However, uh, I did, I'm, I'm sorry. We're back in the, uh, Derek Brunson thing. Uh, I picked against him on the main event. I picked with Edmund, like everyone else did for the most part. Although I think mm -hmm. K-Babs, you might have picked uh, Br uh, Brunson if I remember correctly. However, on the betting, I bet for fucking uh, Brunson because the odds that they gave you him for this was fucking ridiculous. Um, huh. I mean, seriously, I think they let me look and see what they gave me on it. Because uh, I made some, I made some bank last night in fake money. I. Uh, <laughs> No, seriously, I um, uh, I turned my one thousand dollars into five thousand seven hundred ninety nine dollars, so that's a good Holy start. Shit. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, he, they, yeah. He was he was. They gave him uh, a plus three eighty for his odds, so I dropped a hundred dollars on him. Uh, I also dropped two hundred dollars on the Calderwood versus Maya uh, betting with Maya, uh, who was a five hundred and eighty fucking plus. Holy shit, was that way off? And then I also <laughs> dropped, and I also dropped a hundred dollars on a parlay wager for both of them, which uh, which paid me off another three thousand one hundred sixty-four dollars. So that's why I'm at five thousand seven hundred ninety-nine dollars, even though I only risked four hundred of it, which is what I do when I'm doing betting because you you this the entire season goes on. You get you earn a little bit of money back for a correct prediction, but it's not much. So you don't want to bet your entire thousand dollars on the first event because if you fuck up, then you're done with betting for the rest of the season. So the right. most I ever, the most I ever spend is half of what I have. Uh, oh. But next, this means this time instead of spending five hundred, I can probably spend like twenty seven hundred or something like that and still feel safe if I fuck up really bad. 
Um, yeah, it sounds like a fun little it? sounds like a fun little system that that uh, website is all about. I, I I regret not making a uh, you know an account because I, well, it's shit, funny. It, because, huh? Uh, shit, dude! It, it's like a week until the next event. Hop on there, and make one. Uh, you yeah, know, I will. You'll, you'll be you'll be at a disadvantage for this season because everyone else is up an event on you. But on the other hand, this was a really small card. It only had eight uh, people on it. So, and they only do so many points per fight. So, like, I think I only have sixteen points. I, I scored fifth out of six on the actual uh, fight picks. So I was shitty at it. So it's, most it's, people don't have most people don't have much of a point advantage over you if you started next week. Oh, okay. It's funny because when you read things online, they come off a lot more angry than uh, they probably like interpret. So. When I put that comment on the on the page, I was like, "Oh, I went perfect." You were like, "Yeah, but it doesn't count." I read it like you were like so pissed that I didn't, no. you know, that I didn't set up an account. I'm like, oh man, I got I got passive J pissed because I didn't set up an account. Okay, <laughs> no, 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 he would no, no, no. I, 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 I was making fun of you because you're like, "Oh, dude, it doesn't fucking count, dude." Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I thought that was funny. Uh, but yeah, freaking. So how how did how did you do, uh, Ryan, on your picks? Oh, my picks were absolutely terrible, and I think there's something going on with that site. <laughs> so, like, most of them I knew I had completely wrong, but, like, on the podcast and even in the betting, I chose uh, Maya over Calderwood. And apparently on the pick section, I had Calderwood, which makes no sense. Oh, shit. That's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and listen to the uh, podcast to see if you picked uh, my. Uh, I don't. I honestly don't remember. Which is a good thing. Why? We, which is one of the reasons why we're doing the fight pick things because none of us can remember our picks one hundred percent. Which is funny the... because on the on the actual fight picks on the podcast, you picked JoJo there, Jay. Yeah, and I, and I picked and I picked her for uh, on my picks as well. That's one of the reasons I didn't do well. But I bet against her because the odds were fucking good. You know, uh, most of my bets are going to be underdogs, and a lot of times I'll pick against them for the fight, but bet on them for the betting. To me, the betting is actually more fun than the picks because you know I, I just enjoy watching. Yeah, exactly. It's a nerd thing. Um, so, but uh, it's not uncommon for me to pick against someone uh, and then bet on them though. And I almost called. The, uh... Uh... Go ahead. So how about the fact, and it's the first time I remember this ever happening, two fights falling off the day of the event. Yeah. One of them, like, within 15 minutes, he passed out or something like that uh, on his way to the ring or some shit. Giles, right? Yeah. Had, like, a panic attack or some shit and fainted. Who was the second one? Was it the team there? No. Uh, The the Ed Herman, uh, Gerald Mearscart. Mirshard oh uh, got a positive COVID test. Oh my god, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Dana, crazy. I mean, Dana said it was the craziest week he's ever he's ever been a part of. Craziest fight week. I mean, is this the most uh of uh, uh, is this the shortest fight card that they've ever put out? The most is this the one where they've lost the most fights without being able to set them back up again? I don't. I don't necessarily know. There have been more that have been lost over time. This is the most this close to fight night, though. Right, you know what's right. crazy is they had they had fifteen fights last week, and then which was what, like one of the longer cards, and now here they only have like eight or nine fights. That's pretty interesting in itself. Yeah, and the, well, this one was just interesting all over. It's like you didn't have very many like big name fights. You come back next week, and like there are a few decent fights there, 
And then two weeks, obviously, we get back to pay per view, and like that's going to be fucking fun. <laughs> Who's fighting this week? Is yeah. there a fight this weekend? Yeah, it's the oh, one yeah. Uh, yeah, headlined we're, we're, by Derek up. Lewis versus uh, Olenek. Okay. Yeah, it's got a couple. Of, and, and that whole headline is a uh, Weidman versus uh, Army. Weidman. Weidman versus uh, Army Akamedov. Oh yeah, they they want to get uh they want to get Weidman a win, but Mari Magmedov he's he's no slouch. He's got a he's been looking good in these last couple of fights. He's improving too. Uh, that should be an interesting fight. If Omari beats Weidman, then Weidman might have to hang it up. Yeah, Weidman yeah. Has not looked great in in a while now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he definitely peaked in his uh you know his championship run, and then he just hasn't been able to get any traction after that. Mm-mm, yeah. Well, let's look at since we're not doing fight picks on that. I just want to pop over the two fifty two and let's look at the fights on that just a little bit. Obviously, yeah. Let's, let's make our fight. Pick, let's make our fight picks. Uh, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. But let's if we can yeah, talk about them, good. that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the but Brian, uh, Ryan was right. Uh, the UFC two fifty two has got some awesome looking fights on it, dude. Uh, in mm. addition to the in the main event, they're going to have Junior, Junior Dos Santos versus uh, Jaranino Rosenstruck. <laughs> it's nickname. Oh. Yeah, yeah, his nickname is Big Boy, B I G I Boy. Uh, yeah, that's the and, guy that um, that's the guy that Naganu knocked down his last fight, but he's no slouch. Right. Who's he fighting? Uh, Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos. Yeah. Woo! That's a good fight. And the fight prior to that, they got Sean O'Malley coming back uh, against Marlon Vera. So that should be a fun yeah. one too. Yeah, that's a uh, top right? ten. Uh, I think Marlon Vera is the first uh, fight for Sean O'Malley in the top 10, so that should be interesting. You said Frankie uh, Edgar as well? They don't, Frank, they don't have uh, Vera ranked on the UFC site here. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Frankie Edgar is fighting uh, Pedro Mun- Munoz. Is that how you say that? Munoz. Munoz? Okay, yeah, that's close enough. Uh, and that's there's a couple, women, a couple women's fights, but uh, Felice Herring's fighting. I kind of thought she was done with fighting, but she's uh, back for another fight with some chick I've never heard of. <laughs> Who's she fighting? Uh, Verna Jadaroba. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a good fight. Uh, I think Carla Esparza for her. I think she's a former Invicta champion as well, I think. Ah, she's right. no and, slouch. And you, even, and you even got John, John Dotson fighting at the bottom of the card. Oh, shit. The magician, yeah. huh? Who's he fighting? Yeah. Uh, Murav Dalvillashvili? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a great fight. Yeah, this looks like a fucking great card. We skipped over a couple of them that aren't bad fights either, just for the name fights shit. But that's going to be a great fucking card. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? No, yeah, absolutely. This one's going to be uh, a fun one, just from what they have announced thus far. I think like a sleeper fight that could be fun is that uh, Dodson Davashili. Yeah, that looks really good. I I don't like Dots Dodson's uh, personality sometimes. Uh, I don't know why he seems like a, he seems like a nice guy, but something about him never clicked with me. Uh, but he's a really fun guy to watch him fight. Yeah, I like yeah, I so, like Dotson. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about uh, what is it two two fifty two? So the the new favorite of the podcast here, Shemayev. Uh, DC was on an interview knowing that uh, Shamayev wanted to have a quick turnaround and was trying to get him on that card. Oh, wow. That would be a quick turnaround, wouldn't it? Who, who I, know, he, uh, I wonder if he wanted him to fight. He, 
He's the new big uh, star in the UFC, huh? This this Chimaev guy. It, so I I took the time and we talked about this the other night. I don't know if you were on at that point, uh, Kev. But I went back and I watched pretty much all of Shamaya's fights that I could find like on YouTube. The scary mm-hmm. thing about this guy is he actually has pretty good stand up. He he hits like a freaking train. But is he I mean, it's it's you know, it's easy to say, you know, it's easy to watch all his old fights, you know, against lower competition and say this guy's gonna be the next stud. But is he truly gonna be the next big thing? Is my question. I don't he know. Is- his ground game is high level enough that I think yes. When you actually just kind of, when you really watch critically of what he's doing, yeah, like the way he moves and positions and the way he controls, like if he gets you down, you're pretty much screwed. Okay, so he has a higher ceiling than like Macy Barber and Edmund Shabazian and all these other guys that came up and everyone thought they were going to be good. And because I mean Dana White's loving them. I saw Luke Thomas did a big breakdown of him. Uh, you know, the announcers can't seem to get their dick, his dick out of their mouths. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like this kid is like the next thing, you know, the next big thing since freaking sliced bread. And, like, over two fights, it's like, you know, in, in the first fight, I know he looked really good against John Phillips, but I've seen that same guy, John Phillips, get taken down and submitted in less than a minute by Charles Bird who is quickly phasing out of the UFC. So I, I from, you know, for me, I, I don't know if I believe in the hype as in, like, this guy's going to be the next champion, but you never know. I mean, he seems to be getting a lot of praise and a lot of love from from everybody. So we're just going to have to see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah you I see it all the time. At, okay, like, sir. calling him Khabib 2.0 or Habig, like, he definitely has that kind of ceiling at that weight class. Mm-hmm. It just, will he realize it? Who knows? Yeah. But he has you know, it all there. Like he can strike, and his takedown and ground game is is next level. Yeah, you know what this kind of almost reminds me of. And this guy is a beast, but he got knocked out as soon as he was starting to gain a little hype, and then he and then he started winning again. Is uh, Islam Makachev in the one fifty five division? Islam is uh, a bad dude. Islam's a beast. He's a beast, but. Uh, he was starting to get a little hype, you know, his first few fights in the UFC, and then he got knocked the fuck out by uh, Adriano Martins. But he has picked up right back where he, uh, you know, left off, you know, after he fucking woke up from that knockout and just been fucking submitting guys and knocking dudes out. So I'm actually more interested in him, maybe. I mean, because, like, he's got a lot of hype. He's got a lot of silent hype, if that even makes sense, on him as well. So I think uh, part of it, they were talking about this with, you know, Habib really only wanting two more fights like this time next year, or even slightly later is Islam possibly the 155 champ. Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be interesting. Hopefully he can get some big fights. Islam. I know he knocked out Gleason Tebow in his last fight. I believe I was actually there in Boston. I don't know if he's fought since. But I, I like to see these guys that, uh, you know, if they're going to get all these this hype, then fuck it. Throw them in with the good guys. I mean, I mean, what's the point of get, giving all these guys hype if they're not going to get set up with the big fights? I mean, uh, we get a slow uh, roll sometimes with these guys until they fight someone good to actually be like, all right, this guy's going to be a beast. I mean, for Dana White to already start giving this guy props, like, fuck it, man. If, if, if. He's as good as everyone thinks he is. Throw him in there with a top ten. Throw him in there with Wonderboy. You know? 
So you well, that's the thing, right? Like, do we want to, you know, have this kind of slow rolled ascent, like we kind of had, and we talked uh, either on the fight companion or another point, talking about how they kind of did that with Habib. Like he didn't yeah. fight anyone absolutely like top ten, top five until like five or six fights in. Oh, 100 percent. What are your thoughts on that, Jay? I don't know. It's a it's an it's a balance. A lot of times people complain that these hype people, hyped up people, are moved ahead too fast, uh, and and that it can fuck up their career. Like look at the Sage. Uh, a lot of people uh, said he shouldn't have been in there fighting some of the people that he was fighting. He was too inexperienced. Uh, but on the other hand, you're, you know, like you said, they got to fight the top guys at some point. So I guess it's a pretty big balancing act between, you know, bringing them along too slowly or pushing them ahead too fast. Well, it's funny that you say Sage because nice guys finished last and he was a nice guy and he never really called for those big fights that he started losing. I mean, I see Chimaev, he's already talking shit on Instagram and like Facebook and Twitter and shit. So if you're going to talk shit and step up to the plate. Hell, Shemayev said that you could line up Masvidal, Diaz, and McGregor, and he will fight them all on the same night. Yeah, That's well, those are three. Right those are three. Uh, those are three um, stylistic fights that definitely favor him. It's funny that he's not calling out uh, Usman or you know Woodley or Gilbert Burns or even Vicente Luque. Throw him in there with fucking Luque. Luque had a fucking great knockout this this weekend. Throw him in there with Luque. He's, he's calling out people that he thinks that are stylistically going to give him the advantage. No, fuck that. Let's give him somebody that that does, that does he doesn't have a stylistic advantage over. If you want to talk shit, then let's put you in there with someone legit. So right there, Vicente Luque versus Chimiev, fucking UFC fight night, fucking whatever it is, UFC 140 fucking six, whatever the hell it is. Well, also besides well, the actually, you know, stylistic thing, <clears throat> excuse me, There's those are also the biggest money fights in the world. Yeah, but he's not money though yet. I think he will be. And the interesting thing is we talk about him and we talk about like possibly, you know, eventually facing someone like Usman. I think what he's going to run into is the same thing that Usman ran into. It's the fact that nobody wanted to fight that guy. It took a while for him to get in the top 10 too, because no one wanted to take that fight. It was in the top 10. Yeah. You know, another guy that's like that right now is Jeff Neal. Um, nobody wants to fight Jeff Neal, but he actually has a fight coming up. So, mm, right on, right on. Well, regardless, guys, uh, I'm looking at the clock, and I think it's about time to wrap this shit up. Um, I want to thank uh, Kev- Kevin Barber for calling in. I always appreciate uh, your insight on the MMA stuff, sir. Thank you, my friend. I always appreciate the uh, you know the time on here with you guys. No problem. I want to thank the OG Army for showing up. We can't do a show without you, folks. And also want to thank my uh, partner, Big Dalton. Couldn't do the show without him either. Although apparently I did it yesterday. God damn it. <laughs> you got anything before we get out of here, Ryan? Uh, yeah, two things. So number one, these fights this weekend should be pretty fun that are coming up. I'm half tempted to go out and buy a goddamn generator just in case <laughs> to make sure that we're going to be able to be here all night to uh, watch those fights. Because I think Derek Lewis uh, versus Olenek could be fun. Love to see Derek Lewis, you know, just knock the guy's head off into the third or fourth row. No big deal because there's no fans there, so the cleanup should be fine. <laughs> but the second thing, because I didn't get to say this yesterday, is fuck all y'all, especially ever since. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys have a great night. We'll see everybody tomorrow at 6. Bye-bye. Hey!